Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. There are four main branches of the U.S. military. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and I think there's the Coast Guard um, as well. Um, but uh, our, our armed forces have different emphases because they can attack the enemy in different ways. Uh, they, they have strengths that they use to their advantage in winning the war. Satan is similar. He, he is organized in the way that he attacks us and that he attacks the truth. Uh, he's not really picky on how he gets somebody not to believe God's word as long as his, his goal is achieved and he can keep them out of heaven and still under his influence and power. And so uh, we need to understand how to hold on to God's truth uh, and how to help other, other people do that as well. Uh, and so uh, the scripture that we're looking at today, uh, Paul is writing the Philippians who are having their faith in the gospel attacked by a group called the Judaizers. These Judaizers believed that you had to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, that was part of the Jewish religion, uh, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham of circumcision came after his original covenant uh, in chapter 12. The covenant of circumcision didn't come until chapter 17. And so um, you and I are beneficiaries of the covenant that God made with Abraham when he said, through your seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. But this was a different covenant. And this was the covenant that marked Israel off as a unique people. Uh, but it was a mark of something more significant. It wasn't just the, the outward uh, circumcision that was important. The inner change of the heart was to be the thing that that signified. Uh, and even in the book of Deuteronomy, still in the Old Testament law, God says, I want you to be circumcised in heart. Uh, so I want there to be a heart change. And this outer thing that you're doing is just a, a picture of the inner heart change that I desire. Uh, so at this point, these Judaizers had actually taken this outward symbol and said, this is what's necessary for salvation. And Paul says, no, no, no. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And, uh, and we need to hold to that truth because that is a bedrock truth uh, that is so important. There's only one way to be saved, and it is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So holding on to the truth of the gospel is important. Listen, there's one hope for this nation, and that's Jesus Christ. I really believe that with all my heart. It's through the power of the gospel that we have become the nation that we've been in the past uh, through his truth, through his wisdom, uh, and, and all of these things. And so um, Jesus is important, not just for nations, but for individuals. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life, and the wrath of God remains on him, the Scripture says. And so uh, an individual must have Christ. They cannot be saved. And it's not Jesus plus something. Uh, the, that's what the Judaizers were doing. They were saying, well, yeah, it's fine. You can do the Jesus thing if you want to. But you must be circumcised as well to be, to be saved. 
There's some uh, who will say in our, in our day and time, well, yeah, that's fine. You can put your trust in Jesus, but uh, you've got to speak in tongues to be saved. There's nothing in Scripture that tells me that. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, we need to hold on to that truth and the truth of God's Word in general. Uh, and, uh, and, and recognize that the devil will not be picky in how he tries to dissuade us from believing God's truth. Um, so the time of message is holding on to the truth. And look with me at Philippians 3, verse 1. It says, In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who wor worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcise the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, based, uh, from, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. So holding on to the truth, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we hold on to the truth by changing your opinion. Hold on to the truth by changing your opinion. And I'm speaking specifically of changing your opinion about certain individuals. Um, if you look at verse 2, he says, watch out for the dogs. He's not talk, saying, who let the dogs out? Okay, he's not, he's not doing that. He's talking about a specific reference that the Jews used for Gentiles. The Jews called Gentiles, yes, you and I, dogs. <laughs> okay, uh, It was a picture of the fact that we were uh, not part of the chosen people of God, that we were uh, pagans who didn't put our trust in God and so forth and so on. And so it was a derogatory term. It was a term used to set them apart as the spiritually superior group. Uh, and I'm sure that they had used this term, this very term, referring to the Philippians. Paul says, we're not the dogs here. <laughs> they're the dogs. Because they're trying to turn people away from the true gospel. Now this wasn't the Jewish people as a whole. This was just a, a portion of of the church in Jerusalem uh, that were called the Judaizers. So um, he, says, he says, these are the dogs. Watch out for the dogs. Apparently the Philippians had received these folks and just welcomed them and respected them. 
uh, as somebody from the church in Jerusalem. Uh, but Paul says, wait a second, your respect is not well-founded. These fellows are trying to do us harm. They're trying to lead us away from the truth. Um, liberal uh, professors oftentimes are loved by their students. Well, I just love Professor so-and-so. He's been kind to me. He's taken an interest in me, uh, or whatever the case may be. But Professor so-and-so is teaching the doctrine of hell. Uh, he's a dog. So sometimes we've got to change our opinions. Not that we can't be kind to people, not that we can't pe treat people with respect, but just don't put a lot of stock in other people who are trying to lead you astray from the gospel. Recognize that, uh, yes, we love them, yes, we try to reach them, and so forth, but recognize that they're playing for the enemy team. And, and, and protect yourself from that. Uh, pray against uh, the purposes that they're trying to achieve because... They're trying to lead people away from Christ. Um, Psalm 139 is one of my favorite psalms. And uh, I love uh, the doctrine in there about uh, God's care for us and his design for us and all of those things. But have you ever read through Psalm 139? You get to the last couple of verses and it says, Lord, don't I hate those who hate you? Lord, uh, I, I just pray that you take them out. And, you know, some, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but... Um, and it's kind of like out of, out of character with the rest of the psalm. You know, you think, well, why, where's this coming from? But uh, I think out of his heart of gratitude that God loved him the way he loved him, he just took uh, offense at anybody who would stand against his God, at anybody who would be an enemy of the God who loved him in that way. Now, I'm not saying you need to get angry and, and go knock somebody over the head because they disagree with you. But, but what I am saying is this. Sometimes you need to change your opinion of someone and recognize. Yeah, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, so-and-so, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a professor at a university. He must be a pretty smart guy. He's got these, all these degrees, and um, surely he must be smart. Listen, not everybody who has a degree is smart. <laughs> um, and I won't get into that, but anyway... Uh, the, the fact of the matter is, just because somebody is in a position doesn't mean you ought to listen to them and take what they say as gospel. The fact of the matter is, there's a lot of professors that say contradictory things in their own discipline. Um, we, had a, we, had a, we had a professor that said, uh, uh, he, was telling, he was trying to encourage us one day, and he said, some of you are working on your master's degree, but let me assure you, when you get it, you will be a master of nothing. <laughs> and uh, I kind of I laughed, but, but it is, there is an element of truth in that because the more that you know, the more you realize you don't know. And, and one of the ironic things, we, we, had, to, we had to study this thing called uh, JEDP theory uh, when I was in school and... Uh, it was the, the belief of different sources for the Old Testament. And uh, the Yahwist, Elohist, Priestly, and Deuteronomist uh, source. And, uh, and so we were talking about this in class, and I just asked a question. I said, have any of these sources ever been discovered? Is there any evidence whatsoever that they exist? The professor says, no. There's no evidence whatsoever that they exist. 
Well, then, uh, as I was uh, doing some research and had some different, different books by some of these guys that, that believe this, and for different reasons I was looking for research, um, I noticed something. On one verse, they would all classify the material differently. One would say, well, this is belonging to D. And the other one would say, well, this is belonging to J. And the other one would say, well, this is belonging to E. They all disagreed with each other. All these guys had PhDs. All these guys had written books, and they disagreed with each other. Somebody's wrong. I think all of them are wrong, because I think that, that theory is a bunch of hooey. It's, uh, it has nothing to do. I believe... Listen, there, there may be some sources in Scripture, and the Bible talk about the books of the kings and so forth. Uh, I believe that was a source. Uh, but listen, uh, I believe we have a unified Scripture that's not just pasted together from different sources. Uh, so um, recognize, sometimes you might need to change your opinion of someone. There may be somebody that you love and respect, or perhaps they're even your friend. Uh, but you may need to change your opinion of them in spiritual matters. Uh, this is not somebody I need to go to if they're saying this. Um, so, uh, holding on to the truth, how do you do it? Well, first of all, by changing your opinion. Secondly, by clinging to your identity. By clinging to your identity. Hold on to the truth by clinging to your identity. Verse 3 says, for we are the circumcision." The ones who worship by the Spirit of God boast in Jesus Christ and do not put confidence in the flesh. Now, he's flipping this around. He's saying, we are the circumcision. What? We're Gentiles, Paul. Did you get confused? The Jewish people are the circumcision. We're the uncircumcision. Paul says, no, they're the dogs. We're the circumcision. What's he trying to say here? He's saying you have an identity as a child of God. Something really, really marvelous happened when Jesus Christ died on the cross. God's plan from eternity past was put into place. And the fulfillment, the fullness of time came in Jesus Christ, born of a woman, born under the law, and Jesus Christ died. For the sins committed under the law. And because of what Jesus Christ did, you and I can be made children of God. Changed from the inside out. Jesus told Nicodemus, don't you know you've got to be born again? Nicodemus, it's not enough just to be a religious leader. It's not enough to know the Torah. Nicodemus, it's got to go deeper than that. Your heart has to be changed. This is what he's talking about. Circumcision of the heart. If you go back in Deuteronomy, this is the intention of God all along, was that there'd be a heart change. The prophet said, look, don't just do these things outwardly, be circumcised in the heart. It's a heart matter. But you see, here's the difference with the new covenant. Jeremiah said, no longer will people uh, say these things just outwardly, but God himself will write these truths upon your hearts. This is what Jesus did. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Our identity as God's people are those who are the fulfillment of all that God was looking forward to with the circumcision. Um, 
we are the spiritual people of God who've been changed from the inside out. He says, not only are we the true circumcision, but he says, we're the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. We've got the Spirit. The Old Testament, yes, the Holy Spirit was there in the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit acted in the Old Testament. He came upon kings or prophets or priests for different things. Um, But the Holy Spirit for the the garden variety believer in Israel was not usually something that they experienced. They looked forward to it as, as a hope, as a... Uh, prediction from the book of Joel where God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and and all of these things. There's going to be a day where God will pour out his spirit upon the people. Paul said, you and I are the ones who worship by the spirit of God. We have the spirit. That's who we are. We are the church that was established with the coming of the Holy Spirit in direct fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Don't you let these guys talk down about you. Understand who you are in Jesus Christ. You have the Spirit of God that has been given to you by God's grace. What an amazing thing. So he says they're the Spirit, they worship by the Spirit of God. We boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. The cross said something to us. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to have a relationship with God. Those who have tried to, to put confidence in the flesh are not just Judaizers or people who've misinterpreted Judaism. By the way, I do believe that is a misinterpretation of Judaism. Uh, people have always been saved by faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness, the scripture says. Um, but it's not just, just those who misinterpret Judaism. Look at the religions of the world. Every religion in the world, uh, they have things that you're supposed to achieve, things that you're supposed to do, hopefully to achieve something. You know, they've got different ideas of what that something is. But uh, to find favor, uh, it's all about what you do. If you believe in reincarnation, you know, you can come back as a gnat that gets squashed or you can come back as, a, as an intelligent human being, but, uh, you know, based on how you live. And so there's all, the, all kinds of different beliefs out there, but they have a, a common denominator, which is it's all about you. Confidence in the flesh. We put no confidence in the flesh. Why? Because we recognize that there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Um, the Bible says they've all together become corrupt. By the way, that's in the Old Testament too. It's actually a quotation from the Old Testament. Uh, but uh, uh, we believe that Jesus lived the righteous life we couldn't live. And so we are justified when we put our faith in Christ. We're clothed with His perfect righteousness we believe that we're redeemed that because of our sin we stood guilty before God condemned bound under our sin and under the power of the devil but Jesus through his great redemption price at the cross said it is finished paid in full everything that 
Christ had to pay to release us from the hold of Satan, from the kingdom of darkness, has been paid. Everything Christ had to pay to satisfy the justice of God uh, for our sins and the wrath of God for our sins was done. It is finished, paid in full. Uh, we recognize that he who believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life. I, I'm not going to go to heaven someday because I'm worthy of it. I'm going to go to heaven because Jesus is worthy of it. And he died for my sin. And uh, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame anything about me, but boldly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's what we believe. We don't put confidence in the flesh. We boast in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. We're sinners saved by grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. Why would we want to trade grace for some cheap substitute? So, clinging to your identity, okay? Who you are as a child of God. How do you hold on to the truth? Do it by changing your opinion, clinging to your identity. Thirdly, considering your example. This example here is, is the Apostle Paul. Paul is talking about Judaism, and this is something he was an expert on. He was a rabbi before he came to Christ. Uh, he said he had surpassed everybody else his age in uh, zeal for the things of God in Judaism. He gives a list of these things. Uh, I, I, if anybody thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day. That's a fulfillment of the law of the nation of Israel. I'm, a, I'm an Israelite. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Yes, the kingly tribe. Yeah. Uh, uh, a Hebrew, born of Hebrews. Yes, <laughs> they broke the mold. <laughs> I was a special Hebrew, and I was born of Hebrew parents. Uh, regarding the law of Pharisee, the strictest form of religion that Judaism has, I was a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church, I had all kinds of passion about my religion. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Now, Paul doesn't believe he's sinless because he elsewhere says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I sinned against God. But what he's, he's talking about is, is, as far as Judaism was concerned, he was blameless. Nobody could point at something in his life and say, well, that Paul, he'll get his act together someday. No, he was blameless. love this. He says, verse 7, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss, for I have counted as loss because of Christ. This is our example. <laughs> Would you put confidence in your religion? If you were the best religious person, the best Baptist you could possibly be, if you came Three times a week since the time you were in the bed babies. If you served in every committee of the church 
and you were involved in every ministry of the church, and you did, dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's, and you were great as far as being religious. Wouldn't get you to heaven. And it would be a cheap substitute for a true, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul says, all that I had, I had the respect of my country, I had the respect of the leadership of the country, uh, I had achieved everything that somebody my age in Judaism could have, could have possibly expected to achieve, and yet I met Jesus on the Damascus Road. And I recognize that there is nothing that can compare to him. I counted all but loss for Christ. And by the way, he recognized that all this stuff really didn't matter anyway. There's only one thing that lasts, and that is um, putting your trust in Jesus Christ as far as salvation is concerned. Um, now, yes, we'll be rewarded in heaven for things that we do, but uh, Paul recognized that all his religion was just as filthy rags, could not get the job done. So he said, I consider it as loss. Listen, there will always be those who will not like the way you're serving Christ. I've had... Uh, I'm not, I'm not against boycotts, okay? Sometimes a boycott may be, may be uh, useful. Uh, a lot of you know I like Starbucks coffee. Somebody came to me one time and said, did you know what Starbucks did? And they started telling me about what Starbucks did. And uh, I said, do you think you're going to continue to drink Starbucks coffee? I'm sitting there holding the Starbucks cup in my hand. I said, yeah, I think I'll continue to drink it. <laughs> Listen, that's legalism. That's not going to do anything for my salvation. That's not going to do anything uh, for, for anything as far as pleasing God and serving God. Uh, that's just somebody's opinion of what I ought to do. And uh, yeah. Listen, take all the religion you want. Give me Jesus. I'll take Jesus every day, every day. Um, it's, it's um, Paul says, everything that I had in my past, that they're trying to get you to swallow. They're saying, look, you've got to do all this stuff to be saved. Paul says, don't listen to them. All that stuff is worthless as far as getting you to heaven. You just put your trust in Jesus Christ. Count it all loss for him. So considering... Your example. Holding on to the truth, how do you do it? Changing your opinion, clinging to your identity, considering your example. Finally, cherishing your relationship. I've kind of hinted at that already, but look at verse 8. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Christ Jesus, my Lord. Surpassing value. Paul says there's nothing in this life that can compare to Jesus. <clears throat> he says, cherish your relationship with Christ. If you've got Christ, why do you need to please somebody else? If you've got the best thing that heaven could offer, 
Why do you need to worry about what somebody else thinks? Paul says, I consider everything but loss. Solomon, on the other hand, started out well, but he pursued different things. Ecclesiastes records his, his journey. His conclusion, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. There's nothing worthwhile. There's nothing meaningful under the sun. He says, I built all these buildings. I've accomplished all these things as a king. Who knows whether or not the guy that comes after me will be wise and will preserve what I've built. Of course, he was a little bit prophetic there. Uh, he says, I've tried humor. I've tried women. I've tried money. I, all these things, it's all empty. He says, I was trying to choose all these things of the world, and I found them empty. Paul says, I've thrown all these things aside. And I said, listen, none of it matters. If I don't have anything but the coat on my back and a meal to eat, uh, if I'm following Jesus Christ, it's worth it all. If I know him, he is the chief blessing of life. Sometimes we get so hung up about asking for the things that we want, right? Well, Lord, I, you know, I just wish this would happen in my life, or I get this promotion, or, I, you know, I'd, I'd be able to have this particular thing, or, or whatever it may be. And we forget that the greatest blessing that God has ever given to us is Jesus. All this other stuff really doesn't satisfy. Yes, if you have Jesus, uh, you can enjoy those things more. But, uh, but Jesus is the chief thing. Uh, I, I was talking to uh, Stephen Cole a couple of weeks ago. And we were just talking. He said, he said you know, I just love the, the sky and you know, looking at the sky and seeing the beauty of the sky and the sunsets and so forth. And he said, yeah. I said, I agree with you. And I said, you know, before I knew Christ, I didn't really appreciate all that stuff. I'm not saying lost people can't appreciate a sunset. They can, I guess. But... But for me, it was different. Once I, once I came to Christ, it was like the whole world opened up. And things that I didn't enjoy before. Even, I, you know, I've got a great family. I didn't enjoy the family that I was in and, and, and was unhappy. Because I was, I was ultimately trying to do all the things my way instead of choosing Jesus. But when I chose Jesus, everything else became more beautiful. It's amazing how that works. But Jesus himself is the chief blessing. I think that's why he, he and, the, and the Father are going to be in the middle of the, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, when that new heaven, new earth, and new Jerusalem come. Because, uh, listen, all the gold and all the jewels and all the beauty of that glorious city that's coming can't hold a candle to Jesus. He is the brilliance of the glory within it. He is the object of our worship and our praise. There's no one like Jesus. Um, yes, Thomas, is. he said, he saw the risen Christ. He said, my Lord and my God. He, wow, power. But you know, uh, Peter experienced the forgiveness of Jesus. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Shepherd, I think, feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Feed my sheep, I think is the way it goes. Anyway, Peter saw the heart of Christ. Listen, 
there are so many facets to the character of Christ. It's like a diamond. You just turn that diamond and there's another beautiful facet there to see. And uh, the longer that uh, I, I've been a Christian and walk with Christ, uh, just the more beautiful my Savior appears to me. Uh, it's like I, and sometimes I see something else, I'm like, wow, I never saw that before. We'll probably be doing that throughout eternity. I mean, there's so many facets to who he is and the greatness of our Savior. Paul said, why would you trade Jesus for this empty religion? Why? I count everything but loss for the surpassing value of knowing him. I'm going to tell you something. A pauper in Africa is more wealthy if he knows Jesus than the richest man on Wall Street without him. Holding on to the truth, you recognize the truth. By the way, the truth is personified in the person named Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As you hold on to Jesus, you also are holding on to the truth of his word and the truth of the gospel. So, how do you hold on to the truth of God's word? Do it by changing your opinion, clinging to your identity, considering your example, and cherishing your relationship. And here's the blessing. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. There's the freedom of walking with Christ, and there's the freedom of eternity. Isn't it going to be a great day someday when... We get those glorified bodies and we no longer have a sin nature. And uh, we can enjoy life and the presence of God the way it was always intended for us to enjoy them. Uh, this is the blessing of holding on to the truth. Uh, this is why monks died rather than telling the Nazis where one manuscript was of the scripture. Uh, this is why... Uh, Christians have gone to their death over the centuries for this message that kings and tyrants have tried to get them to, to renounce because the person behind this book has changed our lives. I've never been the same since I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. His truth is precious to me because he is precious to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to hold on to the truth, Lord, with all our hearts. More importantly, help us hold on to Jesus. And, Lord, help us recognize day to day in our, in our daily lives, Lord, that there's nothing that can compare to him. Help us count it all but loss so that we can walk with him and know him. Help us to cling to our identity as your children, God, as those who have that.